the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. 1 Corinthians, and we're in chapter 7, chapter 7, and today we're going to cover a lot of ground. We're going to look at verses 24 through 35, and as we know about the book of Corinthians, at this section, Paul is responding to a number of questions that were written to him by the Corinthian fellowship. And as I've said before, the problem with the Corinthian fellowship is that they'd fallen into carnality. And carnality is simply me, as a Christian, seeking to live as though I was my own source, as though I was my own God. Carnality is me living according to the flesh, this body, according to the same things that this world lives to. So that's why you have a lot of carnal Christians out there that are hung up in the very same things that the world, the the lost are hung up in. They act as if they have no God at all. And that is because they've never entered into or have not consistently entered into walking in the truth of who they are. Carnality demands answers. Carnality puts a lot of question marks in front of us because when we're carnal, when we're walking according to the flesh, we need to know what to do on every front. We need to make sure we're right on every step. We got to have guidance. We got to have protection. We got to have all of these things. And we need to know now, we need to know what the will of God is on everything. Why? Because we are not certain of his presence. Because we're not certain of his love. Because we're not certain of his grace. Because we're not certain of his desire for us and for the very best of us. So we're just sure if we make a mistake, if we make a misstep, if we don't do exactly as God directs, somehow we're going to miss God and the consequences are all on us, baby. Right? Guys, that's unbelief. That's carnality. Did you ask God to love you? Are you having to check in with him every day to make sure that he does? I don't think so. The truth is that he loves you regardless of how you act or what you do. He loves you because he is love. Now, the carnal Christian always has to know, because man has to know, 
And that's what these people are about. They're wanting to know. Now, in their defense, they're asking questions that the Bible doesn't specifically address, and they want to know what the right thing to do is. But I'm going to tell you right up front that if Jesus is your focus, that if living for him is your heart's desire, if you're yielded to him and you want his will, who is the shepherd and who is the sheep? Well, he's the shepherd. So what does the shepherd do? He gathers the sheep together and says, well, have all you read your manual? Have you read your handbooks? Okay? Have you watched the PowerPoint? Because I'm fixing to leave and you darn well better get it right. I don't want to find you in the mire again. See ya. Is that what he does? No. Sheep are stupid. They are. Well, own it. It's the truth. They're stupid. And you know what? God is very, very concerned that we will wander in our stupidity. So he keeps himself right there. He literally joins his life to us to give us the option, the resource of that life. It's a shepherd's job to guard the sheep. It's not, now get this, it's not the sheep's job to check in with the shepherd. What? Well, do you see that happening? How many of you have had anything to do with sheep? Well, I see we've got a lot of shepherds in here. But anyway, the truth is the sheep don't check in with the shepherd. If the shepherd shows up, they go the right direction. If the shepherd doesn't show up, they don't go the right direction, right? I'm not saying you don't pray. I'm not saying that you don't enter into a personal relationship with him. I'm not saying that it's not intimate. I'm saying that what holds you in place is not you being able to find and hold on to the shepherd. It's you by faith recognizing that you have one. There's a big difference. Yeah, there are many times I, I entered into things in my life where I absolutely felt like if I didn't know the will of God, I was going to completely blow it. You ever been there? I just felt like if I didn't know exactly what God wanted me to do, I was going to completely blow this and somehow I would be lost in the consequences of my decision. So I prayed and I prayed and I prayed, Lord Jesus, show me what you want. Show me your will. I don't want to get this wrong. I don't want to make a mistake here. And you know what he revealed to me? Now this is very special, specific. You know what he revealed to me? I am your life. I am your life. Well, Lord, I know you're my life, but I need to know what to know. I am your life. I have put my desires in your heart. Do you trust me? Oh, wait a minute. I see. The issue is that I don't trust you. I trust you, Lord. Then go forward in faith. Let me be God. Let me be God. So... They were living in carnality. They were simply living according to the flesh. And they weren't reckoning upon their shepherd. They were calling upon Paul to answer some questions. And you know what? Because our Father is gracious and loving, Paul is outlining it for them step by step. And not only is he doing it for them, he's doing it for us, right? He's doing it for us. Now, 
Last time we looked at Corinthians, Paul addressed some questions about the external changes that the Corinthians were looking to make in order to become more spiritual. And that's, that's the drive of man. You know, I'm going to change myself. I'm going to change my life. I'm going to change my hair. I'm going to change my nail. I'm going to change my job. I'm going to change my major. I'm going to change this. And in that change, I'm finally going to arrive, right? So they were looking to make changes in order to be spiritual. And, and the issue was, do I marry? Do I not marry? Do I divorce or set aside my mate? Circumcision or uncircumcision? All these other things. Which change are we going to embrace as identity? That's really the question. And Paul encourages them with this. Now, this, this would have been frustrating to me, particularly if I had that kind of mindset. Paul just writes to him and says, Remain. Remain. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute, God. You saved me for change. I'm sure of it. And I, I know I've been called to something here. I know that you, you're going to want to send me or do something with me. Uh, you want me to change up my life. I'm sure of that. I, need, I just need a new breath, a new, a new start. Paul says, remain. Why? Why would he tell him that? Because our relationship with God is based on our new birth. Not on our station in life, not on externals, not even on behavior. Ministry is where you are. That's where ministry is. Now, if I were to ask y'all right now, where's Jesus? Where would you say he was at? He's with you, right? If you didn't bring him with you, you need to talk to me after services, okay? He is with you. We don't need to pray him in here. We don't have to put a sign out front so he'll show up. But you brought him in here because he's in union with your life. So changes does not create the presence of God. And this is what Paul's making clear. 1 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 20, Paul spells it out. He says, each one of you should remain in the condition in which he was when he was called. And called is just another word for saved. He said, you know what? God didn't wait to save you till he got you out of whatever predicament you think you're in or into another change. He saved you right where you are. Now, many of us operate because of religious ideology. We operate with the idea that God saved us in order to move us into something different. No, he didn't. God saved you in order to give you life. And where he moves you with life will be for your revelation and for the revelation of Christ as life to those around you. But he didn't save you to become something that needs to be changed. He saved you to be who he made you to be. Ministry is where you are. Now, Paul's going to continue to answer the Corinthians' questions in regard to the unmarried and widows. So let's look at our text. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 25. He says, Now concerning the virgins, or of marriageable age, I have no command of the Lord, but I give my opinion as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. Now, Paul is not saying that this is what he's about to say is not given of the Spirit of God, so therefore it may be right or it may be wrong. You can discard it one way or the other. That's not what he's saying. I used to have a friend who lived across the street from me. He was 
quite a clever fellow. And whenever somebody would ask his opinion about something he knew absolutely nothing about, he would say, this is a subject with which I have no familiarity, so therefore I will speak at length. Well, sound like a politician, right? But that's, you know, that's not what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, he is saying that this is a subject or a context that Jesus did not elaborate on in his teaching. Paul had no record of Jesus' teaching on these subjects. So Paul says, you can trust that I will be dependent upon the Spirit of God in these things. I will be dependent upon God's direction. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 26 and 27, he says, I think then, here is his opinion, I think then because of the impending distress, that is, the pressure of current trouble, it is good for a man to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be released. The question is, in time of trouble, should we marry? That's the question. Now, Paul doesn't clarify what the trouble is, and you know why? Because you don't need to know. But he says it's a time of trouble, and if anybody would know trouble, Paul would, right? He says, this is a time of trouble. Now, remember something about this as we read this. This is very important. This is not a command, okay? This is not a command. He is giving you his opinion. It is not a command. Paul's just making a very valid point. It is a point of reason. Why is it not a command? Well, because Paul doesn't have the will of God concerning you. Paul doesn't know the specific will of God concerning each one of you. Some of you may be married, some of you may be single. Some of you may go one way and some of you may go the other. He doesn't know the specific will of God. Some of you are single now, but won't remain single. Some of you are married now, but your spouse will pass at some point. You don't know what life holds. Paul doesn't know what life holds. He is speaking to the issue of whether or not it is a good thing to be married or unmarried in a time of trouble. He is offering an opinion, but he's not offering a command. Very important for you to understand that. Paul is saying, do not seek change for change's sake. Only act upon the direction of the Lord. See, many have this idea that God's goal for us is change. No. Faith and his glory revealed in and through us is what God is affecting in his children. There will be change, but let it be as God works out his plan in you. Not your restless desire to shake things up or your desire to get out of a situation or circumstance or a relationship, or your desperation to create a life for yourself, let God make the change in you as you yield in obedience to his direction for your life. And here's the thing you've got to remember, guys. I'm going to say this over and over again. God is where you're at. He's where you're at. Grace is where you're at. Ministry is where you're at. You say, well, I won't be here tomorrow. Well, you know what? God's grace, God's mercy, God's ministry won't be here either in you. It'll be where you're at. You take it with you. Wherever you go, 
You know, I've been in the religious world a long time. And there are a lot of things that we do that are not wrong, but they promote unbelief in us. Because many times we think that to enter into some ministry in order for Christ to minister through us, that we need to have all the brethren praying for us in order for that ministry to take effect. Well, I may step on some toes tonight, but the reality is that's Christian superstition. That's not truth. Is the presence of Christ enough to minister in any given situation? Where is the presence of Christ? In you. Guess what? You're anointed. Now go forth. Go forth. We don't need to make it something mystical. It's mystical enough that Christ has his life in you. That all I need to do at any given point is yield to that life and the ministry of Christ comes through whether I am doing laundry, shopping, working, or praying for a brother in the hospital. You see, the cool thing is, being a branch, is that you're united to the life of the vine. The branch doesn't coax the life of the vine in, does it? You ever passed a grapevine and heard, oh, please, 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 give me some of your life. Please give me. Do you hear that? No, you don't hear that. Why? Because you're grafted in and that life flows through. And guess what you got flowing through you? Listen, you don't have to be given to unbelief in this, this emotional concept that somehow God is coming and going and you just need to partake of him when he's here. That's wrong. And guess what? That time last week when you were really carnal and you really blew it and you were rebellious and ungodly. No, I wasn't there, but I know. Guess where Jesus was when you did all that? Oh, yeah. Well, you like Peter would have said, depart from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. But what does a sinful man need? What do you need most? Well, if I have to answer that one for you, we've got a long way to go. Listen, God is where you're at. First Corinthians Chapter 7, verse 28. He says, But if you do marry, you have not sinned in doing so. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned in doing so. Yet those who marry will have special troubles, special challenges in this life. And I'm trying to spare you that. Bottom line, this is not a sin issue. Marrying is not sin. Not marrying is not sin. The issue is obedience. The issue is choice. We're free to marry or not marry, but we live our lives to the Lord. Marriage is God's plan for the majority, but not for everyone. God has gifted some to remain single, and he fills up in them what is needed to be complete and balanced. See, God makes them two one, even when it's just one. Isn't that cool? There are challenges for those who choose to marry. Paul endured great and many hardships and had watched many suffer persecution and tribulation. Paul had seen what it had done to families to watch a loved one suffer or to put them in harm's way. He watched all of this and he wanted to spare them this kind of trouble. That's a very practical issue. By the way, that word trouble 
is a Greek word that describes the pressing together which was done in the making of wine. The troubles of this world will press two together and what will be rendered will either be sweet or bitter depending upon the grape. The question is not whether or not we'll be pressed. The question will be what comes out of the pressing, right? What comes out when we are pressed? And you know what? Single people are pressed. Married people are pressed. Nobody escapes the pressing. Guess what? It's the purpose of this world to press us. How else will the life that is within us come out? Jesus said, love an enemy. How did he make us love an enemy? He gave us an enemy. <laughs> Can't love an enemy if you don't have one, right? Christ calls it out of you. He said, I can't do that. Said, yes. And you know that's the truth of marriage. Husbands, love your wives. Well, that's easy sometimes, but sometimes that's not easy. Particularly if you're trying to love according to the flesh, right? Sometimes you feel like they deserve it, and other times you feel like, man, it's a good thing I don't have God's lightning bolt in hand, right? But the reality of it is, That God put you in a marriage to extract from you his life to give your mate something only he can give. And God put them in the marriage with you to extract from them his life to give them something that only God can give. Now, if you want to get married on any other terms, guess what? Two ticks, no dog. That's what it is. We're pressed, married or single. Is it important, let me ask this question, is it important to seek the will of God in all things? And all the religious would say, absolutely, yes. Guess what? No. (laughs) What do you mean? Well, it is important to want the will of God in all things. It is important to be yielded to the will of God in all things. It is important to pray, Thy will be done in all things. Seeking the will of God, and it's a bit of a trick question, but seeking the will of God would imply I have to find the will of God to go forward. Do you ever felt that way? I just described for you how I felt when I did it. You know, God makes it real simple for us. I made you a sheep. Do you want to be a sheep? Yes, Lord, I want to be a sheep. Then you let me be the shepherd. Is your desire for me? Yes. Then go forward in truth. Oh, that's just too easy. Where are my lots? I've got to cast some lots. No, you don't. I'm in charge. You see, we're in a similar position as little Kent there. Now, he may have other ideas about where he's supposed to be and what he's supposed to be doing, but he has depended upon his mom and dad to get him there. And the quicker we yield to the plan of God, which is ultimately where we want to be, the quicker we'll realize that we're in it, sitting in his arms, being nurtured wherever we are. That's cool, isn't it? Choices are there. This life is full of them. And what are choices about? Why do we have choices? We have choices so that we can choose him. It's the same as in the garden. I can choose the tree of good and evil, or I can choose life. But wait a minute. If I don't know good and evil, 
I can't, I can't make a decision. I've got to know good and evil. I've got to eat from that tree because I've got to be as God to be able to make my own decisions. I've got to be able to make my own choices. And God says, no, you just got to have life. Eat of the right tree. Because in the garden, the way it's supposed to work is I provide, I direct, I guide, I give you life. And life has its own dynamic. It does. The life of the fish swims. The life of the bird flies. The life of the Christian lives to God. Has a heart of obedience. You say, well, I don't, I don't know that I have that heart. Then you don't know who you are. He gave you a new heart. You're just deceived. It's important to want the will of God. It is important to choose him at every choice. You see, God is not an answer. He is the answer. And when it comes to choices in life, let's just choose him. How's that? 1 Corinthians seven twenty nine through 31, it says, But I say this, believers, the time has been shortened, so that from now on, even those who have wives should be as though they did not, and those who weep, as though they did not weep, and those who rejoice, as though they did not rejoice, and those who buy, as though they did not possess anything, and those who use the world, taking advantage of its opportunities, as though they did not make full use of it. For the outward form of this world, its present social and material nature is passing away. Obviously, this is a word to believers, right? With each passing day, the time is growing shorter for either his return or your leaving passing. Thank you for joining us for His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger. This program is the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. If you'd like to know more about us, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. We would love to have you join us for worship. We meet on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 1307 Blanco Woods at the corner of Blanco Road and Blanco Woods just inside Loop 1604. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry, you can send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.